0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Our next guest is described as five feet in height, gnarly and tough as nails, and she's known as Queen of the Desert. When she's in Africa, she dresses like the nomads. Well, 50 years ago, Valerie Browning moved from Australia to Africa and eventually found herself living and working in desert conditions amongst the Afar nomads of Ethiopia. She's tirelessly worked as a Christian nurse to improve their lives. The Afar region is one of the poorest places on Earth where temperatures regularly hit 50 degrees, and where one in three children die before the age of five. Valerie Browning was recognised with an Order of Australia Award back in 1999, and now she's back in Australia for the birth of a grandchild, but will soon return to the Ethiopian war zone, trying to help the hundreds of thousands who are displaced and injured. Valerie Browning's story is told in her book Malika, My Life Among the Afar Nomads in Africa. Our absolute privilege to welcome Valerie to 2020. Valerie, welcome.
1: Thank you so much and thank you that I have a way of contacting people in Australia and people of faith because the world needs it these days. We're a very divided world.
0: We are a divided world. Take us into your world, Valerie, working in the far desert, northern Ethiopia, 50 years in 50 degrees. Tell us about life there.
1: Well, Ethiopia, where I work, is northeast Ethiopia. Um, actually, I'm right now in Sydney and I'm feeling quite cold in the middle of your summer. So, I mean, heat is relative, Uh, The desert itself is a semi-desert, to me, beautiful. I've lived there now solidly for 33 years. I started coming for the first time 50 years ago. And, yeah, I'm, I'm totally adapted and I'm totally at home. And there's really nothing in your different world that I miss when I'm living there, nothing at all,
0: except for my family. Civil war, though, in Ethiopia, the Tigray People's Liberation Front, uh, they've been having their sights set on the capital, Addis Ababa. How does all of that work with the things that you're involved in day-to-day life?
1: Well, the issue with the war, it's now two years, uh, the people I work with are Afar, A F A R, and they have a thousand kilometres of border with the Tigray people. They thought of the best way to get in uh, to strangle the Ethiopian economy was to go through the Afar region, cut the road which comes from Djibouti into the hinterland of Ethiopia. Uh, and therefore cut off the economy of Ethiopia because that's a road for imports and exports however with really intense and atrocious fighting this didn't happen uh, the Afar were able to hold advancing Tigray army back in the process of the conflict what has happened is that not only have we lost a huge number of people in actual casualty but in fact, they tried their best to burn out the livelihood or the ability of the Afar to go forward. So they, they destroyed all systems like the health system, education, destroying, um, just breaking up all the schoolrooms, breaking anything in the schoolrooms, confiscating stuff, taking it back to Tigray looting all the food and the markets of the Afar, taking all that back in truckload after truckload to Tigray. They've done a very awful thing to try and cripple the Afar so that their livelihood is almost zero in the north now. So we have almost a million people with no health system except for the organisation I work with, those people, the health people who work with me, um, they walk uh, house to house. They grow, go through the front line. They help people. Um, they are with the people who are had lived um, in terror by this war and have seen tr- horrible atrocities. It's a difficult situation. We're now supposed to be in peace. That peace agreement was drawn up in South Africa, on, uh, was signed on November 3. Till now, uh, there's no fighting in Afar. It still remains tense because the intentions of the Tigray People Liberation Front were not fulfilled. Therefore, it is it very much feared that they will regroup and come back in to Afar. Uh, it's shocking to see people with no food <laughs> no health system no education and all their water schemes they just cut the pipes uh, broke the generators if they were solar pumps then they smashed the solar uh, solar uh, panels um this sort of absolutely belligerent horrible deliberate destruction
0: And Valerie, you'll head back into the Afar region and hopefully there will be peace when you arrive home. But dealing with the conflict, the death, the displaced, the injured, this is what you do as a Christian nurse and in the organisation that you lead.
1: Yes, that's correct. Um, I've been living among the Afar now for all these years. I'm a Christian, the people of the Afar are Muslim, but that, it's been an enormous privilege and it still is to live with them. In, they are really deeply my second family. Um, they care for me. They're very enormously loving people. Of um, They actually don't like to think that people do not acknowledge, credit and... Uh, uh, totally respect god they don 't they hate that like people would not do that and I thank God for that because it 's an enormous privilege actually to live like that in somebody else 's society I think
0: you're a Christian living in a Muslim world uh, your husband Ali and you you founded the a far pastoral development association and you do so much good work there. But for context here, for listeners, as we tell your story, uh, you're also connected with some well-known Australians, the world-renowned obstetric fistula surgeon, uh, Dr. Andrew Browning. He's your nephew and uh, you've had some connections too with Dr. Catherine Hamlin who was very much a pioneer in the fistula surgery area. So your connections there Uh, You've been working in Africa for a long time and alongside this family and, of course, Dr Catherine Hamlin.
1: Yes, indeed. And Catherine was my great sister, my older sister. Uh, When I got to Addis, I would visit her. We'd have a cup of tea with her and a chuckle. Uh, She had a great sense of humour and I, I loved her dearly that she's gone now to live in heaven well that's great because she uh, she was tired I believe but she did a marvelous job in opening up the reality for the world in fact that people who are a long time in labor having a baby and those people because of the length of uh, the labor without any help they develop a hole between the bladder and the uh, vagina. And so the poor woman drains out urine constantly and she can't control herself. So uh, Catherine gave a life to help those people. Andrew, uh, my nephew, when he saw the hospital, when he was a young intern doctor, he decided to train for that purpose. And now he's just actually come back into Australia ahead of me by two days or something. He was in uh, South Sudan, in Tanzania, in um, uh, Uganda uh, repairing fistulas and basically these fistula women because they are physically left what would be described as dirty and a bit stinking, they're kind of, well, they feel disregarded from the world. They feel... Uh, They can't live in the world. So getting the repair is just so excellent. It's wonderful and a great privilege again for me to have a relationship with these people. I can dig out the fistula cases and send them to Andrew. He can do the repairs. So it's a good relationship.
0: It truly is life-changing surgery, fistula surgery. Uh, Valerie, let's come back to being in Ethiopia, the Afar region. You mentioned the northeastern region of Ethiopia and the thoughts that the rest of the world doesn't seem to know what's been going on with all the conflict there. It seems to be all the oxygen has been taken out because of a focus on the Ukraine war, the... Uh, the invasion by Russia but people have been ignoring Ethiopia how do you feel about that
1: well this is the way the world works but what i don't i dislike is that things are out of proportion and people were therefore denied assistance in our side uh, the tigray people were held up by the un security council by the American government by the uh, European Union etc etc and even by Amnesty International as those who yeah the Tigray people did suffer they suffered immensely and they are suffering but it was never mentioned this this absolute criminality of the Tigray people's liberation front in actually coming into Afar coming into Amhara region and stopping the livelihoods of these people, killing them, in some cases burning children alive, and it just horrible things happened. This was a distorted media coverage and still is distorted. And we need now to build peace in our country. We need to build peace in the hearts and minds of people. They need to walk away from hating each other, walk away from feeling animosity from each other so to do that we need the world to say that the these other people did suffer for example the Afar people were stopped from food for seven months in the north of the the country we have massive malnutrition now massive still the children die they die of malnutrition They die at the moment without mosquito nets because there's a heavy malaria. It's difficult. The world doesn't take time to hear the story properly. The world doesn't take time to acknowledge the situation well. And if they did, they would help the road to peace. But at the moment, um, the thing is still distorted. So I do what I can to make The story corrected, and I will still do that. Ukraine does need assistance, but this is a different matter altogether. In Ukraine, people have suffered enormously. An enormous amount of destruction has happened, but almost proportionately it's been the same with us. We don't have high-story buildings that they bombed. We don't build that high at all in Afar, and it's mostly rural. But I mean, the Tigray People's Liberation Front tore up the houses of almost 20,000 households, left those many households without a house to live in, and took their food away, looted them, killed their goats. A spade should be called a spade, uh, but on the other side, people have to build lives again, And as I said, we can't go on with animosity. We must go on and try and forgive each other and work together again and live together again. But a peace must be kept. This is the one thing. And I'm fearful of that because uh, the Tigray Liberation Front has made statements which are very, very, very dangerous. For example, to say that the people of the Afar have a language but no history, meaning that they can take their land. Um, So if they try to do it again, I don't know where we go. I really don't know. I have no idea because we're trying to repair the damage now, but if they damage what we're trying to repair, (laughs) that is really colossal.
0: Yeah, a challenge in repairing the damage already done. Valerie, you're in Australia, heading back to Africa early in the new year, but you're here for some really beautiful, pleasant reasons. Uh, you've got a new grandchild. Uh, tell us about your new grandchild. Well,
1: she, she it's a she. Um, she's still not born, and uh, I'm. Very grateful because at least now in my life I've met the other two grandchildren and uh, they're such beautiful children. I, You had your COVID cutting, us, cutting the world off, you had your lockdowns, whatever that was and we had our conflict. So for four years I haven't been here and in mid-December my daughter will have her third child our third grandchild and yes this is just a, a great joy to to have this sort of family it's god provides for all and he's providing now so i'm very very grateful
0: another good thing that's happening while you're back here on australian shores uh, having your portrait painted before returning to africa and a painting to be entered into the archibald art prize
1: well, I don't think it'll do anything.
0: <laughs> but
1: I mean, I'm, I am, um, uh, yeah. I live a long way away. I live in another world. So I'm happy to have anything done that helps people to understand, to generate the the understanding of sharing across the world, to generate the understanding of one world rather than. Uh, the polarised world we seem to be living in, according to the media, with no knowledge and and not, um, yeah, seemingly unconcerned. But I don't believe Australians are unconcerned. I don't believe that.
0: Well, Valerie Browning is our guest. Her story is told in her book Malika, M A A L I K A, My Life Among the Afar Nomads in Africa. We'll continue some more with Valerie's story just ahead. Well, our special guest is Valerie Browning. Valerie, who was recognised with an Order of Australia Award back in 1999. She's back in Australia right now for the birth of a grandchild and will soon return to the Ethiopian war zone, trying to help the hundreds of thousands who are displaced and injured. Valerie's book is called Malika, M-A-A-L-I-K-A, my life among the Afar nomads in Africa, Valerie. As I understand it, your favourite food is camel's milk, straight from the udder. Now you learned how to milk cows on a dairy farm in England. Is milking a camel anything like milking a cow? Well, I don't
1: milk them because it's a man's job in culture. But I can. I like cam- camels very much. They're a, a marvellous animal. Um, their milk is beautiful, very good. It's better than cattle milk, or um, we also have goat and sheep milk. But definitely, camel's milk is um, not only a food and a very full food. You don't need anything else. It's also medicinal. Helps you with gastritis. I think it lowers viral issues. If you've got a common cold or something like that, make you feel better. It's not well studied but I suspect if they studied camel's milk they would find all sorts of issues of health in it. In AFA we eat a very, very simple diet which actually keeps you extraordinarily healthy. Uh, You here, you have complication in your diet. You want to have a different food every day. You want to, um, I don't know, all foods are made by... Uh, many, many different types of ingredients. I don't live like that. Yeah, I I think I've learned over the years, maybe it's laziness, simplicity is the best way to go.
0: And is it part of the main diet of the Afar people, camel's milk and bread? And I know there are some nutrition issues that are around that, and you're saying it's just fabulous. Uh, So far as the taste goes... It adds to the taste the way it's actually milked. A basket woven from grasses, made waterproof with burnt fat. Uh, The milk just smells of burnt fat and adds a charcoal taste. Is that something that makes it special?
1: Well, I wouldn't say it's got a charcoal taste. No, it doesn't taste charcoal. It tastes very nice. It tastes of the shrub the um, camel was eating. So, I mean, if they're eating a fairly bitter shrub or they graze the, the low bushes then it has it's not very sweet but it can be quite sweet uh, you mentioned a nutrition issue for the Afar that is quite true in the sense that with drought and with climate with the issues climate change the issue is of more drought so that there's less grazing pasture for goats and camels that they do keep It means that the Afar spend a lot of the year with no milk in their house. So many Afar are living on an insufficient diet to say the least, especially for pregnant mothers, especially for under five-year-olds and so on. We're trying to get where we can, where there's water available. We're trying to help the Afar to do horticultural work and to produce food crops and to try and to learn to eat different vegetables. By and large, vegetables are not available to them. The markets are on the asphalt road. People might live up to 10, 15 days walk away from the closest market and they might go to market once a month or once every two months, not more. And thus, they are not dependent on the market for their food. Afar live a very frugal diet, they have a very frugal existence, but um, I can tell you, I think they're probably a million times happier than Australians. I really think that. For example, we don't have depression uh, or suicide in Afar society. Yeah, I mean, how does that happen? We live as community, we live as community people So there's an enormous amount of caring one for another, caring, sharing, and living a life where those who don't have are assisted by the community itself as far as that's possible. But that possibility is broken down, obviously, if you're looted, if you're raided by the TPLF, or if you've lost your animals dead to drought, that makes it much more difficult. But nevertheless, culturally, Afar have the most beautiful culture of assisting each other, of uh, respect, of uh, very strong uh, bonding between uh, people. There isn't what you see in the Western culture of individuality, of uh, high consumerism, of Little children demanding, give me, give me, give me. That doesn't happen.
0: Valerie, 50 years in Africa, and you do come home from time to time. But when you do come back to Australia, is there something like what we might think of as a reverse culture shock? When you're talking about that sort of simplicity, and then you get back here and you see our individualism. (laughs) What has changed over those 50 years and when you return back to Australia now what sort of things are you seeing that maybe don't look well, so good
1: Well I went to live and stay in Australia in Ethiopia before digitalization before the computers were laptops before uh, mobile phones before digital banking etc which you all take for granted I have a feeling that you are distancing yourselves from one another more and more and more. I have a feeling that it is possible, although you have more science, although you have more other types of technology, it might be that people are living a less social life and living perhaps, in some form of pain here I watch and see I've only been here a few days now from arriving but I think that is the case and I think that maybe the world should slow down, we should take into more consideration traditional thinking and traditional ways of working things out and addressing things and respecting each other Even the Aboriginal, I mean, the Aboriginal society in in Australia has a better probable, in a traditional sense, a better way of coping and helping each other, thereby having perhaps a higher moralistic sense of how to live together on planet Earth. Not to be judgmental, but to see that science does have its split back to something that's not so good.
0: Valerie, your faith in God drives your mission work and your convictions. You're talking about uh, the different sorts of maybe intimate and social acceptance and support for one another. Is that something that was already existent in the Afar people for many generations? How do you describe what makes them such a community-minded people?
1: They have a very ancient culture, which probably goes back a couple of thousand of years. And actually, in books such as Sessinger's books, which were written in in between the two world wars, uh, the Afar were described as belligerent, angry people. They're the most peaceful people you could ever meet, I think. They don't want to go to war. They want to reconcile. They want to solve differences. They want to live together. They have a beautiful fiber of culture which really um, I've learned plenty from and I think it is closer to God than the culture of a city uh, where everybody's rushing, everybody's under pressure everybody's under stress, here we run we're running, we're running, what are we doing we're trying to make money what are we doing, we're trying to um, and yeah, for them It's all about the children, it's all about the women, it's all about uh, living together as a family. They're very strong about that. Here, things, I think, have in some ways fractured. I don't think COVID has done you any good either. I've heard some horrible stories of what happened to people under COVID, under under lockdown. Whereas in where I come from, we didn't ignore it. We did all the hygiene sanitation issues. We didn't get very much COVID, thank God. But on the other side, yeah, people cared for each other dearly. I mean, all this horrible business of not being able to go to your relatives' funerals and see people when they're dying and so on. That's shocking. That's very shocking. It does have a
0: detrimental effect, doesn't it? Uh, Valerie, you and your husband, Ali, you founded the Afar Pastoral Development Association. There's 500 people in your employ and you're involved in a whole lot of good work. How do you describe the highlights of the work that you do uh, in the community? Well,
1: I think... It is working together and working from the community base and seeing the Afar themselves work out how to work with modern world and live a better life and uh, overcome issues such as maternal health issues, Yeah, uh, involving themselves in the economy they were not involved before. And so, I mean, we've taught people literacy and now they're university lecturers in the university. Um, So, I mean, all is possible if you struggle, and we struggle with much less than the facility that you have. Uh, What impresses me most and gives me the greatest pleasure to, to stay and to go on with Afar people is their bonding one to another. I am sure that the love of God is working in them. I know and I've seen that God works amazing things in in the most awful conditions. You don't need half the stuff people have got here, quite frankly. You don't. You don't need half of it.
0: Valerie, you've been quite outspoken in a number of contexts, uh, places like Eritrea, uh, throughout Ethiopia and Djibouti, and you've spoken out... Uh, to the point where you've received incredible criticism and uh, even become persona non grata in some places what sort of issues were you speaking out about?
1: Well the issues of injustice and this is the injustice which I'm sure we're asked to speak out about. Look I have all the privilege of living a safe, a good life everybody else deserves that too so I mean, I will not keep quiet if I see injustice. I will do all I can. I will struggle all I can to help those people overcome it. It's those who are the most vulnerable, the people who are being trampled on, who I believe that God is asking us to assist. And so, you know, many people, uh, when I ask them, what do you think? poverty is they say oh no medicine no education it's nothing like that poverty is disempowerment poverty is the fact that people have been cheated of their rights they've they've been marginalized from the ability to address their own rights and to get what is normally human in this world and that's what poverty is all about Uh, I've watched it over the years where I live and that's exactly what happens. The worst nail is driven in by conflict because it's the inhumanity of man to man. But having to drink dirty water, having to uh, put up with your wife dying in childbirth, having to uh, see the misery of your own children dying of malnutrition
0: is so awful, so
1: awful, so painful
0: for these people. Health facilities, uh, the Barbara May Foundation Hospital became the first maternity hospital in the region and funded by the Australian charity, the Barbara May Foundation, and a lot of people are benefiting from that hospital.
1: That's true. That hospital started in 2011, and still going and actually during the conflict it became the frontline hospital for them for casualties from the war because it was close to the war front the war did not reach the hospital but uh, the obstetrician and gynecologist had to turn around and also work with war casualties in fact uh, the hospital has is setting up we uh, is there to be exemplary in a situation where women normally would not get assistance. So those fistula women, those women whose uterus has been prolapsed because of hard work and so on, um, and other issues which uh, women here would not have to suffer. We have a lot of, uh, we have quite a few women who go unconscious from a thing called eclampsia during pregnancy so I mean the hospital is able to rescue them but if the hospital wasn't there they'd simply die just the other day I got a message from Ethiopia that while I've been here just about ago they treated two women one on one day the one on the next day both of them who had ruptured uteruses because they were so long in childbirth and they all but bled to death because of the Bleeding inside, the baby had died because the uterus ruptured and because it was so serious, they had to take the uterus out from both of these women. They're very young. One is 21 and one is 24, 25, I think. So, I mean, these are the conditions the AFR women have to live under. We have a mobile primary health system which is working with the health workers walking on foot uh, around the rural areas where there are zero, no roads, no facility, no way of, they, if a mother wants to be assisted, then they, the community would have to travel, uh, carry her on a homemade stretcher for maybe up to 12 hours to reach the roadside and maybe even longer. And in that case, there's going to be maternal problems, maternal casualties. So we're trying to fight all that. The hospital is the focus point and it's the Barbara May Foundation here who, through Sydney Hospital, through the very generous donation of people in Australia, um, is working to support that
0: and it's a very simple hospital but it's providing an amazing service. Well, a hospital that is supported by the Barbara May Foundation, there is a website to connect there, barbaramayfoundation.com. And to read Valerie Browning's story, you could get a hold of her book. You'll find it available at online booksellers, Malika, spelt M-A-A-L-I-K-A, My Life Among the Afar Nomads in Africa. Valerie Browning, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. It's
1: really my privilege and my and, and absolute pleasure and I wish everybody who I've who's heard me can come and visit me. So please, you're very welcome.
0: I'll pass on your address if anyone asks.
1: Yes, please do. Please do. <laughs>